0: Rising Podcast, the show that helps you grow by helping you think clearly, feel deeply, and do more of what matters. I'm your host, Kenny Lang, and today we're talking to my friend and colleague, Gino Quiros, founder and creative director of Monterey Premier which is a web design development agency that specializes in Divi, which is a theme from Elegant Themes uh, for WordPress websites. Gino is also the creator of Kidos.co, that's Kidos.co, where he produces tutorials and walkthroughs for web developers and designers to get more out of the Divi theme. He gets tons of tractions, he is uh, an educator, he loves the WordPress community, and is widely regarded as uh, one of the OGs of the, the Divi movement, which has seen it become one of the most popular themes in the world. Uh, he's spoken at conferences, both in person and even virtually recently uh, in Europe. He is a phenomenal businessman, and he is also a father, a pastor, and a community leader. He's been serving as the president of his local chamber for the last year. Uh, There's not a lot he won't step into and try. He's also got a phenomenal perspective on how he came to be in the position he's in. I think this is a great... Conversation for any of you who are trying to figure out how do I grow, how do I take next steps in my professional development, in my professional journey? How do I figure out what works well for me and keep going while having interests outside of just being a professional whatever, which is part of the reason for this podcast is people are whole people. We don't just have, you know, I'm not just professional Kenny and Father Kenny, which makes me sound like a priest, which I'm not, Uh, a husband Kenny, and then I'm I'm at church Kenny, like I'm one Kenny, and I go around to these different places. And I think Gino has done a great job of integrating those different pieces of himself, and I think that's going to be helpful for a lot of you. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Welcome to the show, Gino.
1: Hey, Kenny. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Well, uh, I feel like this is a long time coming, and we probably should have been recording a lot of our conversations over the past few years. Uh, I don't think they may be as enjoyable to everyone else as they are to us, because half of it's just spent laughing at, at dumb things um, and venting our frustrations, um, but it's it's uh, I think that they would be comical. Maybe one day we'll get around and have our own podcast.
1: Uh, that would be cool. I think uh, it might be slightly uh, offensive. It might be <laughs> slightly uh, abnormal and slightly for deranged. Sure. But there's an audience for that out there.
0: <laughs> uh, all we need is a 1,000 raving fans. That's what I've been told. I don't want 1,001. Just a 1,000 and at that, no more. <laughs>
1: We're good. I don't good. want,
0: I don't want any more... Exactly. Please from here. that's the bill of goods I've been sold if you if I pay attention to Instagram that's all I need <laughs> <That's> it, brother. <laughs> well I know I did the shotgun blast equivalent of of describing you and, and what you're involved in but why don't you share a, a little bit about your story because I think it is a cool story um, on how you got into launching a business and you know where you are today
1: cool cool Well, you know, to be honest with you, like early on in in my life, in in my early 20s, um, as I got involved in business and kind of went from, you know, those typical, you know, after high school jobs and working at these various little, whether it's restaurants or whatever, and actually getting into the world of business uh, from the very bottom of the ladder, you know, literally coming into a big manufacturing company as a janitor um, in my You know late 19 20 years old um, I I, I, there was always this sort of attraction to um, the idea of business in general as as I got to get familiar with my uncle was a manufacturing manager so through him I got an inside point of view of all the different departments everyone's roles uh, and as I worked up my way up the ladder got into sales and, and got into management I just there was something awesome about being able to make make serious business decisions that can have great outcomes. And rather than just, just kind of working behind the scenes and, and just doing stuff, you know, there was a certain attraction to making a decision or going off your gut. And uh, and so that was kind of ingrained in me early on and uh During that same time, I would say probably in the early 1900s, I got introduced into web design, Uh, being an artist, having a background in in graphic design and that sort of of stuff on paper. Um, I started dabbling with websites, mostly to get my own artwork up and running. And it turned into an immediate uh, passion and hobby for me and something I would just go on to do as sort of a side gig or a hobby for many years. Uh, I did start uh, my first web design business in the mid-90s. I was probably about 23, 24, called really out of control designs. Uh, This was just using old school, uh, what you see, what you get, editors like front page and simple tools. I wasn't a coder or developer by any means, so I used uh, basically tools that allowed me to visually see what I was creating while I was creating it. and, and, you know, that kind of, it never really took off, never became a full-time gig. And I just, you know, over the years, it sort of reinvented itself, the idea, um, but never really became a full-time thing until 2011 and 12, uh, when I decided to launch out and start my own freelance, becoming a freelance independent subcontractor. And so uh, during that time, I was, you know, I wasn't I wasn't. I didn't have enough clients to do full-time web design. Um, at that time, I had some experience in bookkeeping, accounting, uh, back-office management, HR stuff, and so I kind of um, marketed myself as a back-office service provider. We provide services for back-office type duties, uh, like those items. Mm-hmm. HR people want to don't want to have a full-time insurance person. Somebody just come and help out. Couple hours a week or month, stuff like that. So I had enough business there so that it would it it could support my ability to work from home full time and sharpen my my web design chops. Mm-hmm. And in uh, around that same time, uh, a friend of mine had introduced me to WordPress. The church site had gone down and it needed some help, and so I said, "Okay, you know what? I'll learn this WordPress thing," um, and dug in and. Uh, Fell in love. And so since then, I've been working exclusively with WordPress, building websites, um, using a, a, a unique theme, which is a whole nother story and how that grew. But that's kind of the backstory behind kind of how I finally got an opportunity in my 40s to kind of finally go out, start my own business. Something I'd always been passionate about, but never had the courage to do. Especially after getting married and having kids, it was like, oh, now I really can't go start a new business and take that risk. Right. But after two years of uh, two and a half, three years uh, full-time ministry with my wife, uh, at that point with what little pay we got, it was like, well, what, what other risk can we take? Let's do it. It's not like we're making money anyways. Uh, we were doing missionary work. So it was like, hey, why not give it a shot? And, uh, and we were blessed and things took off over the years. And uh, so now it's, it went from a back office service provider to in 2015, I launched Monterey Premier, the second business. That business was uh, strictly web design and digital marketing as and Kiros.co basically went from a consultant agency to my personal blog, which I do provide a lot of resources and tutorials for the web design community, which has grown over the years and has been probably Um, the most effective tool in in my arsenal of of getting authority and awareness. And uh, we get a lot of traffic, uh, hundreds of visitors a day on that site, uh, using the tutorials, leaving comments, sharing the resources. And so a lot of the business that comes to Monterey Premier comes through the Kidos.co blog. And that's kind of where we are today. So Monterey Premier is our our agency providing websites um, and website services, digital marketing services. And then Kidos.co has now become more of my personal give back to the community website. That's kind of it
0: in a nutshell. Yeah, well, that's great. And I, um, yeah, I definitely resonate with uh, different pieces of that as I've gone uh, on my journey. And I felt the same, uh, bit when I started mine, which was, uh, what other things do I have left to risk at this moment? You know, let's, <laughs> let's, let's jump out. Uh, uh, you talking about ministry, not paying well, made me think of uh, a quote from a, a pastor I follow who, when talking about that, the, the stigma around, well, if you're going to be in ministry, you're not going to make much is, uh, the church saying, Lord, if you'll keep them humble, we'll keep them poor. Um, <laughs> And obviously that doesn't apply to every church, but uh, I think there's a lot of churches, unfortunately, who have, and ministries who've kept that um, alive. Well, and, and it sounds like you tried your hand at many different things, getting to the point of where you are now, where Monterey Premier is just, you know, it's, it's running and, and you're in this kind of this new season and iteration uh, with white label partnerships and, and providing those sort of services, which seems to be a, a good groove for you lately. But uh, what was it that allowed you to, you know, first start at 22, 23 with web design, venture around wandering around, you know, different jobs, roles, responsibilities to the point of where you came back here Um you know, one of the things we say about the show is it's about grit. Um, What helped give you grit or, or cultivate that in you to the point of where you, you never said, I'm never going to pick up that idea, that dream, that passion again.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a good question. And um, you know, for me having had that experience early on at such a young age um, you know, in my, you know, early 20s, you know, 2021, working for this company that um, uh, was a growing company at the time in the 90s. GPS and wireless was just really kind of becoming uh, a globally used tool. And I worked with one of the pioneers in that industry. And um, because it was growing so fast, I think when I started that company, there was maybe 40, 50 employees. And at peak, within a few years of that, it was like three or 400 employees working 24 hours a day, four shifts, and uh, working with big companies in, in, in addition to the military, but like Qualcomm and uh, Neverlost and, and, and just a lot of, um, and Raytheon at the time, Lucent Technologies, some, some of the Motorola. This was before the dot-com boom. boom and Anyways, with that came opportunities for me to work my way up the ladder and um, be given a, a position where I can Make uh, big decisions, as I said earlier, and, and and have big impacts. See big sales because of a gut decision I made. Um, and 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 work with the team of engineers and manufacturers. Could we do this? Could we do that? Go to our production people. Could we actually meet these demands? Uh, talk to our developer or to uh, our sales reps in in the UK. Say, you know, do you really think you can get over into Ferrari? And, and talk to those people over there to get this GPS in those cars. Okay. Can, and, and then just all that back and forth. Project management is basically what it was because I was a sales rep. I was a sales manager for international sales. So I got to fly around and, and that man, that just, it, it just, it, it kicked the bug in me. And so getting to the grit part, uh, you know, things happened, Economies changed. Company got bought out by a big Illinois, Chicago uh, company, antenna manufacturer got dismantled and uh, being that that was one of my first real gigs. And so I had experience in sales. I got to experience the other end of sales and that is my next job required me to, okay, you got sales experience. Great. Here's 200,000 contacts. You need to make as many phone calls a day and get your foot in the door. (laughs) And and, and that kind of sales, right? It changed completely from relationship management style sales to cold calling. And, uh, and and it was right after like the economy took a, a dump in like 2000 and uh, the, the internet bubble burst, as they called it back then. This was before the housing crisis. Mm-hmm. And uh, so at that time, the economy changed really big time uh, and it was no longer an employee's market, which is kind of what I grew up in. And it became an employer's market where they can charge you minimum, uh, only give you 30 hours of work so you don't get any benefits, Don't you, you know, you don't hit that minimum required to receive benefits and a whole lot of other stuff. And so work became scarce and cold calling was one of the very first, uh, talk about grit. Like I stuck it out, but I knew then while I was cold calling, I couldn't wait to get home to, to start working on a website <laughs> and, and trying to get a website client to pay the bills. Cause working off commission wasn't for me. And, um, and that led to another, um, you know, I left that job. I couldn't take it anymore. That that type of cold sales, got into a, a, a manufacturing company, um, company that was similar to the one I was working for, but only for medical equipment. But they had that same model: call as many people as you can. Yeah. And uh, it was during that job, um, when I when I knew I wasn't going to last long doing the cold calling, uh, I began to. Uh, Take my website skills and I was like what if I just build an intranet here on my computer? I'll work on it at home put it on the disc Bring it on the the computer here and instead of going through manuals to look through all the product information to pitch uh, Sales on the phone. I'll have it on my computer. So when the 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 sales uh, Supervisors come around and hop on the green phone Which is the phone right next to yours so they can Mm -hmm. listen to your call and then they actually start telling you what to say which is kind of awkward because the people on the other line can hear them tell me what to say. That was the weirdest experience in sales. If you've never done that kind of sales. Yeah. So. But uh, uh, then I'd start bringing up my, my, my program. And so they would ask about a product and this is like the early nineties. So this isn't really popular yet in mm-hmm. businesses. And, and I'd pop up the product and I'd already copied all the description, put it in there. And so I'm clicking on the monitor and, and these guys are like, looking at me like, where did you get that? How come none of us have that? (laughs) And and began to, you know, take that situation and how do I make it, how do I make it better? So I just did stuff like that above and beyond. I began to, you know, talk to some of the marketing people and make connections in marketing, get my foot in the door in marketing where they're using more computer resources and tools than the sales folks. And, and, And that was probably one of the pivotal points where pushing through, with a job I didn't like, to let them see some of my web design skills. It was almost like I would take a job as a is really more than this is the job. It was more like if I get the job, then I could begin the real interview process by showing them what I'm capable of. So I can get the real job I want, which is up there, not yeah. this one I just applied for. I don't want this job. I want that job. But this <laughs> is how I'm going to get my foot in the door. That kind of attitude, that kind of grit, I think is what really helped me keep the dream alive mm-hmm. and keep the skill set growing and, and, and just being encouraged. And I pretty much with every job after that, because the market was so tough, it was like, take a dumpy job, but don't hold back. Show them what you can do. Don't do what you're paid to do. Do what you're capable of doing, no matter what you're being paid. And that's kind of been the whole uh, push through. And it's always allowed me to do some web stuff with whatever job I had over the years
0: yeah i think that's great and i want to circle back like if i if if you're listening hit that rewind you know 15 30 seconds um you just said something is don't do what you're paid to do do what you're capable of and i think say say more about that because i think we're I've noticed this you've hired people you have people working for you I've I've hired people at, at other jobs at my own agency and in different areas and I feel like that's a mentality that is not that I've not seen often yes um so can, can you say more about doing not what it is you're paid to do and I don't think you're advocating like just go crazy and do whatever you want but do what you're capable of not what you're paid to do can you say more
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, A prime example is uh, when I was working at at MicroPulse, that first job, and I got promoted up, and one of the first really exciting positions for me was to get off the assembly line, going from from janitor to working on assembly line to supervising an assembly line, and getting put into the warehouse, which was actually a a peg up race, and it was a uh, promotion. Um, And I was in charge of receiving. And, and basically it was a real simple process back then. Packages get delivered every day. I log them in a log, um, make sure everything's there, and then make sure they go into the right process for quality assurance, then into the warehouse. Um, but I, I had decided at the time, like, well, you know, the product's not showing up in the system till it gets into the warehouse, and, but they need to know that it's been delivered, that it's even here, and it's sitting in receiving an inspection Otherwise, the people in materials don't even know it's arrived yet. And so we got manufacturing people coming in here, stealing products before it's even made it into the warehouse where it's been inventory uh, because client demand, the product's late as it begins with. So it was like, okay, I can keep doing what I'm doing, speed up the process, or I can bug them until they give me a computer, convince them that I can log this stuff in over here, which is none of this was in the job description. So basically, I quadrupled my job description, created an entire workstation, brought over a computer, created new processes to how we enter the stuff into the system. When created, basically, they allowed me to go into their inventory management system and restructure the way the product is even being tracked in the system. At that time, I was 20. Uh, I, I, I broke the computer a lot, I crashed it a lot. So their <laughs> IT guy, which was outsourced, would be probably at my station every week because of something I did. <laughs> but the cool thing was here I am at 20 years old learning all the things that he's doing, asking him questions. I was interested in that stuff. So before you know it, I'm fixing the things around the warehouse and around the, the, the whole facility that they used to call this guy in for. And, and it was going above and beyond. Uh, hey, they hired me to be a, a receiving person, but, listen, get me a computer. I started bringing a suitcase to work. I was the only guy in the warehouse with the with a shirt tie and a suitcase. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not paid to wear a suit. I'm paid to work in the warehouse. Uh, but what happened, you know, over time, you know, people in, in production are very familiar with me because of how I changed the system and how they're getting their, their materials. Uh, the materials department is, is, which I actually worked under now is like seeing, okay, this guy's a, a leader. He's, changing things. He's not just doing things and and he's quick to change and he's quick to implement. And and he's very detailed about it. Okay. We like this guy. But the best part was when the president came down and said, Hey man, every time I come by here, I see you wearing a tie and and a nice shirt in the warehouse. And I'm just wondering why. And, uh, and I told him, I said, Hey, I don't, I don't dress for the job I'm paid for in a similar kind of sense. Mm -hmm. I don't dress for the job I have. I dress for the job I want. Kind of basically what I told him. Mm-hmm. And and an hour later, the sales manager, which is now we're talking about upstairs guys, the guys on the second level, comes down and, and and is like, Hey, Steve told me to come talk to you. You got a few minutes? And it was then I was offered a position into sales and marketing. And um, and he's all, you know, the uh, you wore a tie, you stood out to the president, you know. Obviously, you're gonna, you know, uh you're doing something right. You're getting everybody's attention here. Right. And uh, it's just going above and beyond. And it's not like, you know, I think here's the simple thing is sometimes we have to take, if we want to grow, we can't expect it to always be in those eight hours on the job that we're getting paid for. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to go home and look things up and do a little practice and do a little bit of homework. I think the whole idea of homework shouldn't die with school. Homework mm. could be something we carry on with the rest of our lives. That's probably one of the uh, the best takeaways from school is homework is going home and learning about a subject, preparing wow. for a subject, then going into work and kicking butt the next day.
0: That's good. That's so good. I hope people are taking notes. Not if you're driving, uh, please keep your hands on the wheel. Maybe just uh, pause this, talk to Siri, Google assistant or uh, Alexa already took notes for you. So <laughs> I laughed, Gino laughed, Alexa laughed. So. Well, you, you brought, you bring up something and, and I think you're, uh, you're, you're helping me transition nicely. So I appreciate that. I'll, uh, I'll Apple pay you later, but um, <laughs> you you talked about the way in which we grow and You mentioned, you know, going home, researching, looking stuff up, um, finding new things to do while you're on the job that forced you to learn. You encountered a, uh, I mean, it's kind of a coworker, this IT professional, and you said, hey, he's got expertise and knowledge I don't have, but seem interesting to me. So you start asking questions. I think that's something, you know, that that idea of um, being curious, um, you know, has been a core value at uh, at my agency. And I, I feel like that's been something valuable for me coming up and has allowed me to, um, achieve more than maybe I thought just because I kept asking questions. I yes. kept looking up stuff. Um, it, not going to lie. Some of that is because I don't like to look stupid in front of people. Um, yeah. so maybe some insecurity drove that, but, yeah. um, but I was always curious, like, Oh, well that seems neat. How does that work? How do you do that? How does this thing work? Um, it makes me annoying, but I do learn. Um, yeah. Yeah. so in, in growing, and I think that's one way to grow in terms of I'm going to gain knowledge growing, growing our head. What do we, what do we learn? What do we know? How can we apply it? You know, we're, we're living in the knowledge economy, um, we're it's not an economy based on, uh, physical strength and muscles. We're, we're not, Uh, although those uh, you know there still are jobs that require that and and or require a mix but the vast majority of of jobs uh, now require uh, the the muscle between our ears right so we almost have a responsibility to exercise that on a regular basis in order to grow it but I think an area that I've always um, admired in you is you've You've always been someone who grows not only just their knowledge, but but their heart um, for themselves, for, for others. I know I'm, I'm fortunate to be on the receiving end of that. As a matter of fact, um, if you're listening to this, you won't see at all what I'm pointing to. And, I, and we joked about doing this uh, before we started recording. <laughs> but one of the books back here is, um, where did it go? I forgot which order. I uh, put it in. Uh, but the sacred romance was a, a book, uh, that you sent over to me, but yep. just a continual compassion, you and your wife have, have worked in, in ministry. What are, how does growing your heart, um, cause some people can see that as a liability, right? Like people are, are just out to screw you. Um, I know that I, I still wrestle with thinking that like, don't, don't let your guard down, you know, stay in your armor. Um, how do you manage to, to grow your heart and, and still stay open that way to, to, to have compassion towards people, you know, maybe especially in business, maybe especially in ministry because that's a, that's a tough business, quote-unquote, to be in? Good
1: question. Great question. Um, a couple of things come to mind. So initially, after having that experience with that company, MicroPulse, and then having to work these other jobs, after the collapse, then you got the housing collapse, market collapse, which all, all of those really hit California hard because a lot of the companies that went bankrupt in 2000 from the dot-com burst were mostly based in California, uh, mm-hmm. especially all the Silicon Valley jobs. And so the, the economy went dump. And then when the housing crisis hit, again, that hit California really hard where everything was overpriced anyways and people lost a lot of money. And so very tough years for employment during that time and I would say through my experience, especially after having worked at MicroPulse, I remember always thinking to myself, if I start my own business, I want to be like the leadership was at MicroPulse in that they gave this guy a chance. And hmm. it, was, it wasn't like, you know, we're going to invest in you, you owe us your life. It was more like, Let's take this guy who seems like he's a go-getter, has a lot of potential. Let's put him under our wing. I mean, all the way to the top, to the president of the company, who would take me with him and say, let's go, Gino, let's schedule a, why don't you schedule a trip to visit some of our clients in Europe? Why don't you put that plan together and let's go visit your people? And I was like, okay, cool. And he would take me to these things and Basically coach me as the president and owner of the company that he founded and telling me how to turn You know how to do sales how to manage a company I'd ask him questions about accounting and that sort of thing and and, and he would explain to me how everything works how he reports wow. to His board and uh, I mean we would even do fun stuff. We went to Amsterdam and you know back <laughs> then um, you know I, I experimented a little bit, but you know, we would just be able to <laughs> sit down and have these conversations and, and and it was like there was no wall. And I said, you know what, I want to be that kind of leader where um, I, I'm genuinely pouring into people. Yeah. And, and uh and it was just something I learned from him. And I still keep in touch with him and his wife because his, his wife also worked there and uh basically I think I had become sort of one of her many um, foster kids, I think, because she took <laughs> me under her wing and really spent a lot of time with me and helping me out. And still to this day, we stay in touch. Um, but it's great. So every job after that, like where it was like, hey, you're just a number and we'll cut you loose at the drop of a dime. And I got 500 applicants sitting right here that could replace you in a heartbeat with a much better background. After having gone through that, the more I was like, I'm going to be like them. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, I think where it started. And that was the goal. But I think really what it comes down to is in 2003, when I made a, a huge life decision and uh, had my eyes opened and turned away from the old life, which was very much, even though I had a, a heart that, that was still pretty open, um, but it was still very selfish, still very, I want to be like, at that time, there was no Facebook yet, I don't think. So I think back then, as you wanted to be like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates back then, those were the two role models, right, of, of entrepreneurship, and uh, and so that was still very much my drive, and, and so I'm thankful that it wasn't until after 2003 when I gave my life over to the Lord where, where God really just kind of gave me a, a greater passion for helping people out, but also there was a season I believe I had to go through of just working with people, because it wasn't until after that, 2003, that I would eventually get involved in full-time ministry, and it was there that uh, I, I think I was really um, taken to the school of working through hard lives. It wasn't just church ministry. We were me and my wife felt called to be uh, working for a, a rehabilitation program. For mm-hmm. it was a residential, full-time, twelve-plus month program where you know alcoholics, addicts, uh, gang violent gang members, people out of prison, sex offenders. Just the whole nine yards of people that you can picture struggle in life, looking for help, come live in a place like this where we live there full time, work with them full time. So it was thrown into a world of hurt, twenty-four-seven hurt, pain, anger, frustration, yelling, fear, um, and 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 mental issues that, that come up in those environments that, you know, oftentimes are what got people into those situations. Um, and, and it was there where you work with mostly volunteers um, or missionaries who you, you can't fire, <laughs> because, you know, you can't, you can't uh, tell somebody who's working on a $200 a month stipend and hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, discipline you, you know, it, it, you just, it, we had learned that how do you work and manage people that aren't necessarily there because they're financially rewarded, need a paycheck, uh, or have other issues. And they're there mm-hmm. maybe because they're not ready to go back out into the world. Yeah. And so you take care of them. You offer them a position to help them. You give them an opportunity to live there and stay there in a safe environment. So you have people who finish the program. They're not ready for a job, but you do what you can to bring them into the mold and, and that's, so so you learn patience, you learn understanding, you learn grace. And, and, and I think that really prepared me in a way that um, I wasn't prepared for launching my own business and working with other people and bringing people into the fold. And so I think that's kind of where it began. And when I launched my own business and I was doing a lot of back office services, what was really cool about it was because of all the connections I had made through that ministry, I was also a full-time uh, pastor at, at a church as well, which was also volunteer. Uh, it was just a small startup church plant. So there was no money um, even really coming in with that church. Uh, so being in all of that and then launching my business, I fortunately had some connections uh, with other churches that were involved with the ministry from different denominations. So I got to do like bookkeeping and accounting for a lot of these various churches throughout the Monterey Bay area. And uh, and I would go out there and pick up the paperwork to bring home pastor would be there small church we'd start talking i'd be an ear an outside ear who many of them felt they could trust because one i had all their books but two they <laughs> know i was a pastor in ministry two they, they just knew what i did with teen challenge that was the name of the organization if you want to look it up teen challenge monterey bay great organization to support by the way anybody looking to support that type of ministry um and and my, my sister is a program director there now, too, and, and oh. she went through the program as well. And uh, just God used that program to bless our family. I didn't go through the program. God saved me through another way, but it was a blessing to work with people yeah. uh, with a similar background. But anyways, yeah, so I started working with these different churches, and it'd be cool. It felt like every time I'd go visit a church to pick up the books, I felt like it was a counseling session. The pastor would be able to kind of uh, – You know, I guess, you know, just, I guess I just draw stuff out of people. Like I want to dump on this guy. He looks big enough to carry the weight. And, and, uh, and so, you know, it was through that that I was like, I I love this, you know, ministry and work go hand in hand, take Mm -hmm. care of people, people first. At the end of the day, it's the people that matter, not the job or the business or the agency. So even if something reflects bad on us as an agency, and maybe we lose a client at the end of the day, it's about the people and not that necessarily we have to keep on people that aren't a good fit, but how do we make sure whatever that transition is, is in the best interest of them as well as the business. And to me, that's, that's really what it comes down to. My, my, my initial calling is to be a blessing to people. And that's the way I see Monterey Premier. And everything I do is, how is what I'm doing one glorifying God God being a blessing to others and and serving others? And that's a whole different mindset. you know when when you're a boss, the world says, you know you need to be served. Mm-hmm. But you know our approach is if you own a business, you are the lead servant, you know right. of all. and uh, just like in ministry. so I think I think the obviously ministry goes hand in hand with that, but I wanted to share with you that experience with Pulse. Mm-hmm. for those that aren't involved in ministry don't understand how that can can change your heart but just from a practical point of view um, the whole MicroPulse pulse experience of being that kind of leader boss really is what set that tone for me
0: that's that's fantastic i i think I, one of the things that jumps out to me about the your your story is what an impact having a a caring compassionate kind of other centered boss early in your career, how that set uh, a standard for you in going to every subsequent job and, and then even setting the standard for yourself. I think we as leaders, sometimes we can, we can forget um, what kind of an impression we can leave and especially uh, if we're hiring people, that it's their their first job or their first uh, grown up job, right? Yeah. Uh, "Quote unquote" grown up. But we can either set the tone to say, "Oh man, I have got to chase that. It's it's got to be that. It's got to be at that level or better." It's this is this is now you know the the measuring stick by which every job and boss and leader and person is going to be measured. For, for me, uh, I, went, I came from the other direction. I did not have bosses that you know really valued me. I, I tried to uh, uh, do what I was capable of, not what I was paid to do. And I was uh, quickly and expeditiously, if I may use an SAT word, um, put back in my place. Because uh, I was some young punk 16-year-old kid at Radio Shack. And this guy had owned it for forever. Uh, he was probably, uh, you know, uh, I think he had he had owned it for quite a while, but just had been in that world. And I was excited about all this new technology, you know, in the late late nineties and early two yeah. thousands. And I was like, you can do this, and you can do this, and and you know, Wi Fi was getting big and. You know, I was like teaching him, it's like, you can hide the wireless, the name of the wireless network and do that. And then we can do demos and we can make it full screen and hide this. And sometimes he'd be like, yeah, okay, Kenny. Um, (laughs) And then other times it's like, no, it can't do that. And you shouldn't do that. And we're not going to do that. And I was like, "Well, you know what? You enjoy the early '90s, sir, because apparently that's where you left off." Um, I was I was a bit snappy uh, then and uh, now, but that for me just it, it set in my heart. Like I, I never want to be like that as as yep. a leader and as a boss. And and I was fortunate later on. I started encountering other uh, men and women who were leaders who who changed that and set that. Tone, but I, I think everybody ends up with a with a mix of good and bad leaders in their life, right? Um, we we see that uh, we are subject to it, uh, sometimes victims of it. Yeah, and w- what I'm always struck by is how people respond. Either they're like, "That's just the way it is," and it's kind of like a sense of learned helplessness, or they say, "I think I can do better," or "This should be better," and I want to do something about it. And so that that's always my encouragement to to people. They're like, "Well, man, my bosses are just like I, I have a my favorite place. I've, I've got my tea there." And you know, I talk to people that are mostly you know high school, college students that that's their first job, or they got a couple of these little part time jobs. And yeah. they're like, "Oh, this manager, they're just saying this, and the and the general manager is doing this and just being rude." And I was like, "What were you doing?" They tell me, and I was like. I want you to imagine that you're leading some people and you're responsible for them to someone else. And you did what you just did. And then you see their eyes open. I was like, how did your brain not go there? I mean, I'm glad we're having this conversation, but until it, and it can be one of those things until you're, you're uh, you feel the weight of that responsibility. Sometimes that doesn't, that doesn't click in. Yeah. So you you mentioned something. I think uh, your your boss from uh, your leader from Micropulse modeled this quite well, um, which was grace, which I I I find to be um, suspiciously absent uh, from from corporate America, from tech America. Um, all of our bro grammars, um, you know, if I got a hoodie, I can act however I want. Um, you know, uh, hopefully that culture is changing, but, and there are some people fighting back, you know, in a, uh, another conversation, um, with, with a friend of mine, I mentioned, you know, you have like Bob Goff who is just such a strong advocate, you know, with, with love does, and everybody always are, or is to most recent books, but just advocating leading from a place of love. Like you can't genuinely lead people unless you, you love them. Um, Otherwise you're just a boss. You're not a leader. Um, And I believe that there are other people who are advocating for, for a better way to lead um, that's caring and compassionate. Um, How, how do you, in, in a world, in, in, in our world of digital marketing and, and web design, um, you know, and especially being on the white label side, which, which I've done a little bit, not as much as you have, you have clients who are then, you know, like I really love Apple's website. If you could do that and do it for $500 and do it, to, you know, in the next three days, that would be excellent. Um, I want to know what they're smoking. Cause it's gotta be incredible to expect that. Um,
1: oh, what's best is I don't have much of a budget. It's only $300, but I have plenty of more leads to send you your way. If you could make it look like Apple's website.
0: I'll give you an equity stake in my business in exchange. It's like this is not Shark Tank. And for that reason, I'm out. Um, but you have clients who are squeezing the agency who can then turn around and squeeze you because you're the delivery. And um, I know I've battled this, and I'm sure you have too, and I, I probably have in our conversations how do you, how do you cultivate grace? How do you, what does grace look like? Because I think so many people think, well, it's this flowery thing or that's something that, Oh, well, if you're in church and in ministry, then you talk about in the context of faith and religion and culture. But when we step in business world, you know, get that stuff out of here. Um, That's weakness how do you take grace and, and implement that towards partners, towards, you know, these other agencies who are subcontracting you towards, um, the developers and, and different people on your, um, staff, how do you build that grace and make sure that even though you may be being squeezed, um, that you're not retaliating or passing on that stress?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I think it's an ongoing challenge for many. I don't think, uh, I'm there yet. Um, It's still a learning experience, as it is, I'm sure, with everybody who's in a leadership position. But um, obviously, coming from that place of ministry first, uh, obviously helps. So those who are involved in ministry, those listening who uh, understand that drive and that purpose and that goal of of people it being about serving the people, they get it. And and um, but inside the workplace. Starting with the, let's start with say the people working on my team. Um, Grace to them is taking, is me taking responsibility for those areas that when I take the time to stop and reflect, instead of having a knee jerk reaction to say something one of our team members did, sent to a client, clients like, what in the heck is this? Mm -hmm. And uh, they come back with a list of complaints and issues and I have a knee jerk reaction, you know, and that is Mm -hmm. like, dude, (laughs) what the heck is this? Right. And then, but I think grace in in certain circumstances goes, how could I have helped this team member, member of our team do better next time? Hmm. Um, And I guess part of it goes back to being uh, like you, A process guy Mm -hmm. Uh, somebody who's really looks back and goes well how can we have improved the process to begin with and and I think for me it's the same thing back in my day we used to call it continuous improvement in manufacturing uh, you there was a sort of um, I can't think of the right term ideology uh, but we were back then in the 90s if you were a continuous improvement company you adapted those kinds of standards that meant you were always improving the assembly line, the safety tools, always. You have a team that focuses on improving every single thing you do. That's what they do all day. And so that having that mindset, like, how could I have made it better and down. Where can I take responsibility? That's the first line of grace, I think. And then the second level of grace is, well, I've done everything I think possible. Um, you know, how how do I... Let's see where the person's coming from first. Maybe they're just distracted. Maybe they got too much on their plate. Maybe there's other things going on. So let's find out what's going on before I, I dig right in and start chastising somebody. You know, good. Let's see what the other items are. Th- th- these are practical, like just ways I practice grace in the workplace. Um, and then going with partners... Um, and then, then to clients like with partners. Now I think partners are important and and you notice I said partners and clients, two different things. Some people think of them both the same clients and partners. What's the difference? You're building a website for somebody. Well, as you you said earlier, and we really didn't get too much into this, but we, we do website services directly to our clients, our customers, but we've also started partnering with other agencies to do their web design and development work under their name under their brand. That's of course the white labeling. For those listening that aren't familiar with that, that's what we do. So a majority of our, our work is now through partnerships with other agencies who are out there selling and providing us work on a regular monthly basis. And so uh, let let's start with the partner. The the thing with brace with the partner is one, you know, you, you want to build a relationship and, and th- Most of the time, if somebody's been doing this for years their own way, you can't expect to go in there and change them. We also can't expect that we know better than them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think oftentimes uh, us us, uh, creatives tend to get pretty prideful in what we think we know and do. And so the idea is to go in and and be flexible, be open. Um, They get on you about something. You know, the grace is in that we're establishing a relationship. So I'm going to let this one slide. You know, obviously if we need to correct something, we correct it. But I'm always thinking in terms of instead of like, Oh, this person's a real jerk. This isn't going to work out well. I think in terms of let's give it time. They're getting a feel for us too. They're trusting us with representing their company. So Mm -hmm. let's give them time to trust us. And then when they do trust us over time, then we can begin to, you know, suggest changes, process flows. Let's use our base camp instead of your Monday that kind of stuff, or let's go with a different design. They began to give in, but, you know, again, it's, I think with partnerships that grace is mostly applied in the early days when you're just learning about each other and how you work together. And then grace in the long term, I think, uh, I'll have more to say on that as we, (laughs) as I get five or six years behind me doing this. Um, and then clients and especially those ones that we just talked about, those red flag clients. Um, I need an Apple website, 99% of my business is based on the website. So I need it to have a fully custom function. I want it to be like YouTube, but for surfers, okay? And people are going to pay $200 a month for access to this. And they got to be able to submit their videos, upload them, grade them. And I got a $300 budget. Tell me what you can do for me. And, and, you know, of course, it's hard to extend grace (laughs) with a client like that. Um, But, you know, I, I think you give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And you got to remember that there's some people out there that just don't get how all this works. They mm-hmm. don't realize, you know, um, that if you're going to, if the website is your business, then uh, it's no different than what you're going to invest on a store down on the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the website is your business where the transactions and everything takes place, then that's your business. So you better plan on investing a couple of tens of thousands of dollars on that business if you're going to mm-hmm. launch it as your business. And, and, you know, they don't get it. So I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Um, and typically, at this point, you know, typically we'll still get on the phone with them and kind of walk them through. Uh, I feel like it's helping them. Even if I know, like, this isn't going to be a good fit. And I do have, when I'm super busy, I have my automatic decline emails. I'll, I'll look at, I see red flag, not a good fit. Um, just say, sorry, we're, we're, we're too busy at the time. Typically only when we're too busy. But if I have the time, I'll schedule that call, listen to what they're talking about, give them advice, explain to them what they're looking at. Um, think of it as an opportunity. I've had many calls where it, it didn't turn out to be a client, but I spent an hour and a half walking through all kinds of questions and answers and scenarios where they walk away saying, thank you so much. I mean, you just, you explained everything to me. I got a lot to think about. Um, and, and you know what? At the end of that call, I feel pretty good. I feel like I helped somebody out. Yeah. Um, I wasn't just rude. I didn't just cut them off. Again, people first. Most of the people inquire, Most of the people are genuine people that just don't know and and want a business or want a website. Yeah. And you get those, you know, those greedy people out there that are just slick talking salesmen, and they're going to promise you the world for a two hundred dollars website. Yeah,
0: at that point, you know, I'll let God
1: extend grace. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's, no, that's, that's excellent. I, uh, I was cracking up a little bit while you're talking when he said, you know, you first meet them and and they're a jerk. And, uh, and then you're like, I'll get this some time. I was like, that has to be him talking about me. Um,
1: No, we hit it off right off the bat.
0: we, We did. I don't even think we said any words in the first call. We just like giggled and laughed. But, um, no, I, I I think that those are excellent examples of uh, how to extend grace, and I think every time we extend grace, it cultivates more grace in us, right? Yeah. So it's it's like a virtuous cycle that you know as as we are exercising grace, we are we have a greater capacity for grace, which I I think that applies to you know as we have a continuous self improvement or or more and more grit, we. We show a little bit of grit. We do something that is a little outside of our comfort zone and stretches us. And now suddenly we can do that with more ease and it stretches us and allows us to do, to take a bigger risk and a bigger risk and a bigger risk. And it's not us taking a leap. It's just us taking the next step because we've continuously cultivated that. Um, One of the things I I would be interested to know is how has um, being a, a, husband and, uh, and a father, how does that influence, um, you as, as a leader, as, and as a business owner, I know it's certain aspects of it have shaped me and in, in some cases, and I think a lot of people have felt this, especially those with small businesses and entrepreneurs, you got mouths to feed, you're highly motivated to keep those little creatures alive. Um, but, how how what aspects of those of those two vitally important roles have influenced you the most and how you show up uh in the rest of life, whether that's ministering or or professionally in business?
1: Yeah, a great question. Um I would say probably the biggest impact has been um <laughs> almost in a sense it's it slowing me down. Um, not, I didn't, not holding me back, honey. I didn't say holding me back. Okay? It's slowing me down. <laughs> Um, you know, when, when we first got married and we were, you know, in full time, we, we got into full-time ministry that same year, you know, back before that, I was, I was still kind of doing sales and accounting, still in the business world, corporate world. Um, I came into it still with a lot of pride and a mm-hmm. lot of that ambition. And, uh, so that ambition, that pride, that drive, uh, it was a perfect place for God to bring me, um, into this full-time ministry because of all that, because it was really in there that a lot of that got beaten up and broken down. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, um, you know, I worked with a lot of people I loved, and, and in the role I had required me to sort of um, kind of up, uphold the law of the business administration. There are certain things we do in ministry with people, but as the business administrator, looking over three or four different programs, um, to making sure everyone's following protocol, procedures, turning in reports, financials, all that stuff that we're responsible for to the government and to the board of directors. So I had to hold a lot of the house managers accountable, including my wife, who was the director of the women's program at the time. So uh, a lot of bumping head, a lot of learning, me trying to take this ministry that had been running at this level, as far as administration, business administration wise, take it up a notch, you know, go from having one single computer. You know, if we have, you know, five facilities, we should have one in each, in each facility. Mm -hmm. Someone needs to be able to have access to at least the computer, Um, Then networking them all and, you know, just kind of wanting to take everything to the next level. But uh, at the same time, I think I learned in that place that I have to, I can't run over people in the process. And so having a family kind of extended that. Um, So whereas the ministry tapered me back a little bit as far as that sort of selfish, prideful, driven ambition. Mm -hmm. But having a family took it back several steps further in that uh, it was no longer about my vision, my idea, my desire to be self-employed, my desire to do something I love. But like you just said, it was now a a necessity to take care of family. So now every step I take, uh, I have to think, Am I going to be able to pay the bills? Am I going to be able to take care of my family? Will I have time for my family? Um, and so that has 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 been probably the greatest impact. I, for one, grew up without a father. And so, you know, going fishing and doing camping and all that, so that wasn't part of my life, playing sports, playing ball. I just kind of did my own thing, where, you know, growing up. And so it's not like I, I go into this uh, having kids knowing, this is what fatherhood is like. This is what family life is like. So I'm kind of having to learn on the cuff. And I think if it wasn't for family and that genuine love and that desire to do it right and not mm-hmm. mess up, uh, slows me down even more. It keeps me from making, you know, we will talk, I don't know if we'll hit on this or not about flexibility and, and influx, making changes in the business, but I've learned not to to um, be a little bit more patient about it. It's a little less quick to jump than I would have been five, six years ago. When five, six years ago, uh, family would be gone for the weekend and I would decide I'm going to start a new business. And by the time they came home, (laughs) I've got a business and I'm out getting licenses and all that stuff. Nowadays, it's a little bit more like, do I want to waste my time on something? I haven't at least um, given it a little bit more thought. And how is it going to affect my family, my time? Uh, Because I tell you what, it, it, um, I, I, I work from home. I get to work from home and being able to, my, my, my kids are homeschooled. My wife teaches. So we're all here all day. So it actually has a really big impact. It has a big impact in my conversations. I know Mm -hmm. they're listening. I'm right outside the door. Uh, I have an impact on the type of work I do, the type of people I work with. Um, you know, if it was all about the agency, the money and growth, I'd be working with a whole lot of people that I probably shouldn't be working with. Hmm. uh, or projects. Um, I want to make sure anything I'm working on, uh, my boy wants to come in here. My boys want to come in here and see what dad's working on that I can share with them, talk to them about it and that kind of stuff. So um, it's had a big impact on how I do business and, and you know, they come in here and, and they see me helping others and they see what's going on with the tutorials or some of the comments people make. And I think it helps them appreciate you know, the stuff we teach in our home Bible study mm-hmm. about, you know, ministry everywhere and they could come and they could see it being applied in what dad's doing. That's you know, awesome. He's doing ministry at work, just like he teaches on Thursday nights and uh, they get to see me live out what we teach, you know, in our Bible studies and stuff. And so I try to keep that in mind all the time that this is, this is ministry really, in my opinion.
0: That's phenomenal and, uh, and deeply encouraging. And I hope if, if you're listening, especially if you are a a father and and a person of faith, that that uh, encourages you as well. Um, not to section things off. That's been something I've been working more and more on is just that, that integration between family professional faith and blending those together instead of being in those separate buckets. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. What is one thing, and, and stepping out of kind of those those big three topics, um, and we definitely will have to probably just circle back and have like a, a series of seventeen more conversations in order to finally <laughs> yeah. get where we need to go, right? Yeah. We um, but what is one thing you're learning? It could be your, you know a book you're reading right now, a course you're taking, or or you know something you're listening to. But what's something you are currently learning?
1: Good question. Um, great question. And, and I kind of had this, I've been thinking a lot about this. So last year really was a blur for me. Um, so was 2018 and 2019, not a blur in necessarily a great way. Uh, the business in 2017 um, began to take a kind of a downward spiral towards the end of the year. We lost, we had a client that was about 75% of our income. You know that don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, like everyone else, we learned the hard way, mm. and when we lost that client, uh, it took us a long time to recover, mm. um, and, and 2019 was, was just a crazy year, and so it, it, it was a blur. I mean, the, 2019, it started off with my two computers dying on me and not, not being able to get all the data out of one of them, um, just slowed me back, put me back, getting all the new programs, all the new software. Uh, while I'm running behind, and and just lost my my senior developer, um, and it's just a crazy, crazy year. And so this year, I've been able to look back and see what happened over the last few years. Over the last couple of years, I've I've had my thoughts on what God was doing, and I still believe God was doing things in my senior developer's life, Jerry, uh, in my life, in our family's life. Even um, I believe. This, this business is just a vessel God uses to, to do things, to, to change things, and to deal with other areas of my life and, and trust in him. And one of the things I learned is, is when I first started and when things were successful, 2014, 15, 16, what I was doing is I spent most of my time in the business. I was doing the tutorials. I was building the websites. I was thinking about the future, Direction of Monterey Premier. I was always trying to stay one step ahead of the industry, at least our small niche in the greater web development community. Our niche is is small, uh, but I had a prominent role in that niche. And so, um, and it was fun. But what happened was I started to, and this is good. I don't, I don't think this was a mistake, but as, as I started going to conferences and connecting with some of these people I was working with online and and having get togethers and conferences and work work camps and Divi meetups and um, and it was great you know it was like getting outside of my bubble and had was able to afford to have people there doing the work for me so i can go out and market and socialize and and speak and and thinking that oh, you know all this will help the business overall and really what happened was And then I got involved in the chamber. And again, I wouldn't give any of that up, but around the same time in 2017, I joined the chamber. Uh, This last year, I was president of the Marina Chamber of Commerce. So getting outside of my bubble as well, 2017, we launched our home study, um, which we we pray is just a seed link to something much bigger in this area. And uh, you know, just just really getting back outside of being behind the screen for those first few years. But what happened was when those things, those pivots came, the, with, with losing the white, I should have already been thinking in advance, what do we do to prevent if we lose this client you know how do i how do I diversify instead, I was out busy talking at at conferences and you know and and doing all this 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 stuff and then um it, there was other things going on with products we were selling we were doing really well with selling products and there was a good market and we had a good steady three or 4,000 a month coming in just based on products being sold that we didn't have to spend much time working on. And, and so we have these things going on. we got a white level partner that's sending us work on a consistent basis. Well, both of those things took a turn and I wasn't prepared for it. it took me a year to recover. So one of the things I've learned and, and I would say is kind of my, my thing for this year is remember, remember what it is I'm passionate about. Remember what my purpose is. Realign my vision to match those first two, and so that's kind of been what I've been thinking about this year. Is, is uh, first of all my purpose, and I think we've covered my purpose, as, and and this whole thing is is been to is about the people. That's mm-hmm. my purpose. Monterey Premier is a is God's vessel, and I gotta remember that. Mm-hmm. It's easy to forget that. That it sometimes I think it's my baby, but mm-hmm. Monterey Premier is God's blessing. It's His vessel, and He's gonna use it how He wants, as long as I leave that up to Him. And, and the people that he's going to bring to work or that he's going to take away are his. And I just, I'm just a vessel. I need to be available for that. So that's one thing I've, I've learned. I kind of knew going in, but I had to be re, um, I had to, I had to kind of revisit that, relearn that, I think, in the last couple of years. Um, and then the other item as far as, so that's my purpose. Now, what brought me passion? Well, what brings me passion is genuinely helping others. And yeah, I get that at the WordCamps, and I get that with some of the other events and meeting with people, Chamber of Commerce. But, you know, as far as the business goes, if I'm back in there and I'm, I'm helping people, providing the resources, um, the other pieces fall back into line. The leads start coming back in. My name's out in the community. The authority's there. So uh, getting back in there with the community and the people. I have a Facebook group that I think is about 13,000 people now, 14,000 people users. Um, and when I first started, I was in there every day. And this last year, I'm, I'm in there like maybe once or twice a week. I need to be back in there and those kinds of things. Like, where's, where are my people at? Where's my community? Mm-hmm. Um, Chambers, great community. There's, there's lots of great nonprofits, lots of great things. And everybody should be involved in, in some type of physical community, uh, some type of ministry, if you're a believer. and and then, you know, and and your work community. Um, But, you know, it's all about finding the right balance. And for me right now, it's time to realign my vision. And my vision is, yes, this agency is God's vessel, but let's get it back on track. Let's think, where does this need to be? What, where is the economy today? It's different than where it was a year ago. So, i got to think about where's the economy, who's the user, what do they want, what are the biggest challenges we faced this last year, and actually do something about it. Um, So that's kind of been kind of where I'm at, where I'm learning. It's it's just kind of realigning the vision um, because the vision – because the roadmap changes, Mm -hmm. and so we have to realign that vision. My vision is not where it was three years ago. Five years ago, I wanted to sell off Monterey Premier and start a new business, you know, maybe three years ago when everything was going well. And um, now that's changed. Now it's, it's less about that and more about being thankful that um, I'm able to pay the bills, work from home, be with my family and help others. That's kind of, that's that's my, it's changed. The vision's changed. And so that's where it's at. So how do I realign what I do? And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, You know, we, we've been, the last several months looking at new services and and uh kind of some new offerings as well as uh taking what's already working and, mm-hmm. and making it better improving the process lots of i think this year is going to be a big year on, on processes internal mm-hmm. processes now that i've spent the last year suffering from my mistakes <laughs> and uh kind of figuring out what worked what hasn't worked and mm-hmm. what could possibly work next year that we haven't tried yet now this year it's about getting all those things in place i feel a little bit better about them than i did this time last year that's for sure
0: that's great well gino is there anything in in our discussion and obviously we could I, i think you and i could probably talk all afternoon but is there anything around our discussion that comes to mind that you'd like to offer up as an encouragement Um, You know, to the person listening they they just started a business, they're running a business, they're a leader somewhere. um, And they want, you know, we say at the at the top of the show, it's about grit, growth and grace, so you can get where you want to go. You know, we, we we have people listening who say, I'm not quite where I want to be. And hopefully you always kind of have that spirit, right, that keeps pulling us forward. What's, the, what's what's a, a one piece of encouragement you'd offer them? You bet.
1: Uh, and I think this goes hand in hand with Britain growth, but it, it, it lies on grace. Um, but I think one of the biggest challenges entrepreneurs have, leaders have, I think extending grace can be easily learned. It mm-hmm. could be a, a God-given gift that comes naturally. It mm-hmm. could be learned. But I think the most challenging part is extending grace to ourselves, hmm. the leader. I think we, and it's not the same as, as mercy. It's not the same as privilege. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking in those senses. And it's easy to get confused that, oh, you're, you're privileged. You're excusing your mistakes. Now, grace, now mercy is, is okay. I can live with my mistake. Grace is, it, as you know, it's so much more than mercy And I think we need to extend that to ourselves every now and then Mm -hmm. I can beat myself up over past decisions. I can, I can, you know, think of myself as a failure for the things that never panned out. Mm -hmm. Um, I can struggle with how I respond to people or people I've lost or things I wasn't able to, you know, maybe pay people on time or uh, get into debt. Uh, You know, I can, there's a lot of things I can beat myself up over and, and I do. And so learning how to extend grace onto myself as to those things like, in other words, it's not like I could just, okay, it's all good. I made a mistake. I ruined somebody's life, but it's all good. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's more like, you know, um, we push forward. We don't let those past mistakes hold us back, keep mm-hmm. us timid. We learn from them. We may be a little bit more precautionary or slower, but learning how to extend grace in our own lives, in our own situations, in our own circumstances, and kind of see things from God's point of view in that, you know, he already knew I'd make this mistake. (laughs) It's already been known. It's already been written into the book of life most likely. So let's move forward. I'm still here. He gave me another day. So let's move forward. It's another day. And to me, it's like, it's a brand new start. You know, I've been given a sec. every day is a second chance. So I think that's probably what I'd remember is every day you wake up, you've been given a second chance. Go do something good with that second chance.
0: It's almost like you're telling people to keep rising or something. (laughs)
1: Keep rising
0: people, man. I really owe you a lot of money. You just, you kept transitioning us and then you're, you're saying keep rising without saying keep rising. If you would like to hire Gino Kudos to do your product placement and transitions, contact him at, I'm just kidding. Well, Gino, this has been uh, one of our our many, many enjoyable conversations and uh, definitely want to have you, on and, and sharing your wisdom and, and what you're learning at the time. Um, but if anybody wants to um, you know, get in touch with you, follow you, see more of, of your work, or, or maybe they're thinking you know, about uh, getting started uh, in their own business, where are the best places to find you online?
1: Absolutely. Uh, first place is MontereyPremier.com. Um, MontereyPremier.com. We have a contact form, phone number on there. You can get in touch with us. Uh, let us know, um, you know, if there's anything in particular regarding Monterey Premiere that you're interested in. If you're a web designer using the Divi theme, uh, WordPress user, interested in resources and that sort of thing, some of my work, some of my tutorials, you can go to that's quiroz.co, that's Q-U-I-R-O-Z dot C-O, or you'll see a lot of uh, just my personal work and, and resources and that type of thing. And then on Facebook, we are on uh, Monterey Premier... I think, let's see, Monterey Premier Web Design. Uh, So if you want to look that up on Facebook, we're pretty active on there. And on Twitter, it's just Monterey Premier. Um, So you can find us at Monterey Premier on Twitter. And those are the places we're most active. Oh, and Instagram, it's also Monterey Premier. And we're pretty active in there. So uh, those are great ways to get a hold of us.
0: That's excellent. Well, Gino, uh, as always, I appreciate your time and and your wisdom and uh, look forward to our next conversation.
1: Awesome. Likewise, Kenny. You know, it'd be cool if some of the listeners had any specific topics uh, regarding web design and Divi and WordPress, if they were to leave it in the comments below so we can check that out and maybe come up with a topic for our next talk that's a little bit more specific, that would be cool. Look at
0: you, uh, crowdsourcing ideas. (laughs) almost like you do work on the internet or something
1: <laughs> so all you listeners out there leave a comment
0: tell us yeah. what you want to hear <laughs> so yeah leave, leave a comment somewhere once we once we get this posted you know we would love to, to hear from you and always want to provide value but uh gino i appreciate the value you provided today and we look forward to the next time likewise
1: kenny thank you so much uh even though we chat on a regular basis uh doing it live here and being recorded is just as fun. So. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to being on again. Appreciate
0: same, it. Same here. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. Obviously we had uh, some good stories and a lot of fun. If this is engaging for you, helpful to you, then I would really appreciate you uh, rating and reviewing the show and the Apple podcast Store or uh, Shopify or, or wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe and you can share it online. We even have a website where all the episodes are hosted. It's keeprising.fm. So if you want to go and, and read a little bit more, not a ton, but a little bit more about the show or look through some of the descriptions for the show online, that's where you can find us. Remember, we're better when we rise together. And until next time, keep rising.